Now let me tell you what happens in my house. On occasion. Not all the time. Oh, there she is. Look at look, Gloria. Uh-oh. <laughs> sitting there, and there's a movie on TV. We're watching it. And I'm sitting there looking at it. And, you know, it's one of these lovey-dovey movies, you know. I mean, you know, love, where you've been all my life kind of stories, right? And I'm sitting there, and, you know, the plot's already reached its climax, and things are winding down. And I'm sitting in my chair, and I'm just mad at myself. I'm mad at the world because, you know, I knew what was going to happen. I knew who was going to say what. I knew who was going to do what. And here I wasted two hours of my life watching that movie. Ugh, you chick flicks. <laughs> and then I turn to my loving, faithful companion. And what do you think she's doing? And you know how bright I am, right? She's got water all in her eyes and tears are coming down. And I ask her, are you crying? <laughs> Real smart, John, yeah. I, you know, why is that? I don't know. And I think today, though, uh, for some of you who are on that side or that side, we've got something just for a little bit of, uh, something a little bit for everybody, okay? For some of you who like the lovey-dovey stuff, we got Song of Solomon, y'all. Woo! Some of you know it as Song of Songs, but however you know the, the title of the book, if you know the book, you know there's some serious loving going on in that book. You know what I mean. There's a lot of, yes, I mean, mucho stuff going on. Huh? There's a lot of that. Trust me. Oof. And I didn't write it, so don't get mad at me, but you know. There's a lot of that in there, and uh, man, there's just, whew, I don't know. So much so that this is the only uh, reading from this book that you will find in the three-year lectionary cycle. And I think just some people, we're just kind of worried at what we're going to be reading on a Sunday morning. Yeah, some of them, I ain't going to read that book when I get home, huh? <laughs> I see y'all. Well... Uh, this is a, a, it's one of those books, uh, most likely it's the story of unbridled love, right? These are most likely two young lovers after one another in pursuit of each other. Sometimes they find each other, y'all. They escape away and there's a lot of this rub-a-dub-dub kind of stuff going on. Now, I don't know if... Glory were to call me a gazelle, I might look at her kind of crazy, but in a very, <laughs> yeah. She's calling me worse, y'all, but no, no, I'm teasing. But in a very poetic, prose kind of way, this is a very, very deep, sincere uh, love story, most likely, between two young people. Now, when I read it, I get hungry for fruit, and I wish I was a farmer, because there's all these images of fruit and animals, and if you read it, you know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> y'all going to do this to me again, y'all. But that is the Song of Solomon. We ain't nothing but big kids, huh? Look at you. Song of Solomon, everybody gets all giddy, huh? But here we have the Song of Songs, or the Song of Solomon, 
For obvious reasons, the church has used it as an illustration of the love that Christ has for his church. Because I don't know if you know this, but Christ loves his church. Thank you. Christ loves his church, and the church loves him. And, you know, we've got this young, passionate, fiery love. What do these words mean to you? Happily ever after. What does that mean to you? <laughs> it's a fairy tale, isn't it? I've known a lot of people who've been married decades and decades. And I have, none of them have told me, John, it's always been happily ever after. <laughs> Sometimes, John, it's been anything but happy. John. Because that is, it's a fairy tale, isn't it? Young love, oh, so passionate. What happens to young love? Young love grows up, doesn't it? Gets old. <laughs> Life happens to young love sometimes, doesn't it? And you know, that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just kind of how, that's the way it is. Right? It's not good or bad, it's just the way it is. You know, that, you know, when, when Patty read it, you know, he got the young young woman calling her man a gazelle when she's young and in love. And after a few years, it's like, you big rhino, can't you ever do anything around here? You know, it just, just happens. It's the way it is. There are, in the world of joke telling, there's just jokes and jokes and jokes and jokes about in-laws. Right? For obvious reasons. But, but right close to it, right under there, with as many jokes as there are about in-laws, there's jokes about marriages. And we all know, because it's funny. Like, you, I ain't never seen all of y'all laughing this hard at one time. You're all just sitting there like this. I know what he's talking about. <laughs> because there's something about that, something about relationships that we can all connect to. And there's also a lot of jokes about ministers. I haven't quite figured that part out yet. But <laughs> Nobody's ever said, always been happily ever after, after. Now what that tells us is, I think in part, is sometimes we've got to be careful, don't we? Because as natural as some of that is, and as tiring as being young and, young and in love can be after a long time, if we're not careful, we run the risk of hardening our hearts, don't we? Where our, our, our young love can turn sour and turn into anything but love. Jesus and his disciples were out having a picnic one day. And some Pharisees and scribes, teachers of the law, came to Jesus. And the first thing they noticed was that his disciples were getting ready to eat, but they hadn't washed their hands. And this isn't a hygiene thing, okay? This isn't about killing germs. This was a ceremonial, ritualistic thing. They hadn't washed their hands to take away the uncleanliness of it. Now, on the surface, I mean, what they were talking about is this tradition they had. If you're in your Bibles, most likely you have a a, uh, a, a heading that says, you know, tradition of the elders or something like that. 
And what it was, they'd get ready to eat. And of course, the food had to be washed, not because of bacteria or anything, but because it was unclean. And so they had to wash their hands so they wouldn't be unclean. So they'd, they'd wash their hands. And they'd pull up their sleeves and they'd probably wash all of this very ceremoniously and probably go up to their elbows and right here. You know, in the surface, you know, that's okay. They did all this because then that way their hands wouldn't be defiled. And that way when, when they touched the food, it wouldn't defile the food because if their hands were defiled, then they would defile the food and then they would eat the food and what would happen to them? They'd be defiled. That was the idea, right? Well, on the surface, eh, not a bad reminder, right? But Jesus had a problem with it. And I don't know if he ever told his disciples, don't you ever do what those guys do. I don't know if it ever came up in conversation or not. But for whatever reason, they didn't do it that day. And Jesus, of course, I'm paraphrasing, says to the Pharisees, you know what, you're right. They didn't wash their hands. But let me tell you something. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, y'all. Yeah, I know you uh, don't want to defile the stuff, so when you eat it, it won't defile you. But let me tell you something. That's not what's defiled. That's not what's bad. There's nothing outside of you that you can ever put into you that will make you bad, evil. It's what comes out of you. That makes you unclean. There was a uh, an older an older priest who was working with a younger priest. Uh, the younger priest had a lot of youth and enthusiasm and ideas, as they will from time to time, won't they? And the young priest had already convinced the older priest to put in cushioned pews up front, you know, theater-style pews, the first four or five pews, and the older priest says, that's a good idea. People are just waiting to sit up front. But since you did that, everybody comes up front. That's the first place they want to sit. Good job, good job. And, you know, you told me about changing up the music a little bit, and you're right, I've seen that. Uh, people have gotten a little more enthused with some of the newer music you're putting in. That, that's a good idea, but I don't know about your confession deal. And the young priest says, well, what do you mean? That my confessions have tripled since the time I've been here. And the older priest says, yeah, but um, there's no way we're keeping that flashing neon sign that says, toot and tell or you're going to hell. Now, that's not a knock on anybody. That's just to tell you, religion could be a lot. Religion could be real funny. You know, I don't know if you figured that out by now. Because religion is us. And we can say some goofy things and we can do some goofy things. But as funny as religion can be, religion can also get a bad rap, can it? We've seen what religion can do in many places. We've seen, real close to home, haven't we, where people who take 
extreme positions with their religion, some of the harm they can do. Let me just tell you, be mindful that it isn't always on the extreme side where that can happen. It can happen in very subtle ways itself. So I think we always got to be careful of how we use our religion. Because that's what Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees. They were using their religion, they were using their tradition to set themselves apart from everybody else. To tear everybody else down, but to build themselves up. And that is what we have to be very mindful of, that we're not doing that with our religion. But you know, in our culture, in our time, religion gets a bad rap, and people say things like, well, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And I I think I understand what people mean when they say that, but when they say that, what they're implying is that religion is bad. And it's Jesus that said it's not what you put into you. It's what comes out of you. Y'all with me? See, Jesus never gave up his religion. He kept his religion. Uh, He practiced his religion. He used his religion. He understood his religion. And he glorified God in his religion. There's nothing wrong with religion. It's what you're doing with your religion. You know, if you like the sermon, thank you. But so what if you ain't doing anything with it? I know that's your favorite Bible passage, but who cares if you hadn't learned anything from it? Wonderful that you thought that was the greatest song ever sung in church. But if it hadn't inspired you? So we've got to be careful because in our relationship with God, we run the risk of hardening our hearts. And sometimes when we think about that, we, we get images of Pharaoh and Pharisees. Well, I don't want everyone doing that, but it's not always so clear cut. There are ways we can harden our hearts where we get to a point where we're just kind of just here. See, Jesus said it's not what you put in, it's what comes out that makes you evil. I think to the flip side, we could say it's not what you put into you either that makes you good. Just because you're here, or just because you did open the Bible, Y'all with me? It's what you do with it. It's what James called being doers of the word. Part of our job is to make sure our relationship with God doesn't become stale, doesn't become stagnant. Does, we, we don't harden ourselves to God. We don't just go through this. We don't just say this stuff. We don't just sing the songs. We don't just say amen. We live it. And we become it. 
part of what we have to do. Now, now don't get rid of religion. Don't keep practicing. Don't not come to church, if that makes sense. Don't not read your Bible. We're not getting rid of religion. The thing we have to do is what you'll see when when you leave the parking lot on our sign. We have to stay in love with God. We have to remember that love that we have for God. We've got to remember the love that God has for us. We've got to find ways, just like in our marriages or in our other relationships, we find ways to build those relationships and to grow. We've got to be doing that in our relationship with God. So we don't give up religion, but we stay in love with God. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. That is God's call to us to arise and to follow God. Amen.